Skip came to me this morning and waved me down and says, can we pray? And we've initiated now a new prayer team in the mornings. Every Sunday, 940, Mike's leading that. So if you're here before, so if you get here before 1002, and you're here at 940, you're going to get a big shout out from the back. It's going to be Big Mike. He's going to be rounding you up to come to the back, and we're going to start praying over our service. We're going to start praying over these chairs. We're going to start praying over those who are on their way. We're going to start praying about what God's going to do in our church. Amen? Okay. So uh, I've been, I've been, I'll tell you guys right now, I was so bummed when COVID hit me because I'm like, man, I'm ready to finish this series on the Abraham Calling series. We're not done in Abraham, not by far. But it was just kind of like I had all this momentum going, and it was like, boom, sideline, COVID, you're home. You can't go to church. And it was like I felt it coming on me on a Thursday night. I, Thursday night I woke up. I kind of had, I, I, all night I had body aches. And I thought, and it was right in my buttocks area, and usually that's where the body aches begin of I know something's not right, and uh, I said, well, I didn't work out that hard, and then uh, Friday morning, I got up, and I was like, okay, I felt like I had a cold. The body aches were gone. I said, I better make sure I don't have COVID because we're going to go to breakfast. We're going to go do some things. I need to make sure I'm not going to spread COVID anywhere, so I take a COVID test. It comes back negative. A couple hours later, I take a second COVID test because I'm one of the hoarders who's bought all the tests that are available every time I go in the store. So I took a second COVID test with a different type, also came back negative. I said, okay, I'm good. Well, that night I went to bed, and I had the body aches, night sweats. I felt like garbage all night. I woke up the next morning, took another COVID test. As soon as that little liquid passed the positive line, it lit up. Just It was full-on positive. I said, oh, man. I'm... So I laid in bed all that day. I was dizzy, lightheaded. Uh, heavy congestion, uh, I kind of had all of it. And then, you know, pretty much by the next day, by Sunday morning I got up, I watched church online, praise God, thank you, Pastor Mark, for being here and taking care of us while I was gone. I, I was able to watch church online, I felt okay. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, I felt a lot better, and then, you know, feel like I've recovered. So um, I had to go back to work, thank goodness. And it was like, it was like, I'd been trying to stay well for a long time, and I had these really important trade shows and conventions that had been going on in my industry. And it was like, if, if you're like me, you've been doing this all year. You're like, okay, I don't want to catch COVID right before Halloween. Okay, I don't want to catch COVID right before Thanksgiving because we have plans. Okay, I don't want to catch COVID right before Christmas because we're supposed to go down south. Okay, I don't want to catch COVID. And it was like, so my other one was, I don't want to catch COVID because my trade shows are about my career, and this is important. I'm going to line up my business for the whole year right before the trade show. I come down with COVID, you know, but I was able to get released back to work in time to make it to my trade show, so praise God, I was like, okay, God, you're taking care of me here, but I feel like we've just been up against opposition, and we're in this series talking about our calling, and, you know, we talked about, we talked about Abraham, Abram, we're going to just stick with the name Abram because he's not Abraham yet in the story, so we're talking about Abram was chosen, right? And remember I told you that we don't even know really how he had a relationship with God. The Bible just starts out, chapter 12, Genesis, boom, Abraham, you know, God speaks to Abraham and says, I want you to go. I'm choosing you. I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to make you a great nation. And he just does it, right? So we talked about, in that week one momentum, we talked about Abraham was chosen. We talked about his faith was tested because remember, at 75 years old, remember we did a roundup in the room. I said, how many people here under 75, over 75? 
Dee was the only one who really raised her hand. But it's like, at 75 years old, that would be God coming to you in Yuba City and say you've grown up in Marysville, Yuba City your whole life. You're already retired. And God's going to come to you at 75 and say, I need you to move to Southern California, and I'm going to make a great nation and a church out of you. That would blow you away. You probably wouldn't do it. That's the truth. I mean, we would just kind of be like, I don't know, I'm pretty, pretty well retired here, you know. So his faith was tested in this because he was going to leave his family, his father's land, everything he knew, all of his friends, but he did it. So then he's given the promise, if you do this, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. So he trust, trust my calling, leave all these things behind, keep your hand to the plow, don't look back, I'm going to take care of you. So he chose to go, he did it, he, he answered the call, that's what we're here doing, we're answering God's call. So... He, he, he answers the call. It says, Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Remember, we're going to talk about Lot and his partnership. So then we started to talk about conflict that came up, right? There was conflict on his journey. Well, the first part was, here he is. He's like, okay, I'm out of here. I'm trusting God's call. He leaves the land. It's about a 400-mile trip. He goes down south. He gets to the land of Canaan, the promised land. Well, what happens while he's there? He's in his 70s. There's a famine so severe in the land, he has to leave and go down to Egypt. So now all of a sudden, it's like, God's called you to go to Southern California, and once you got there, he's like, you're going to probably have to go a little further south down to, to, to Baja because there's no food here anymore. This would freak you out, right? I mean, you'd be like, okay, I don't understand what's going on in my calling here. This doesn't make a lot of sense. But we, and this is stuff I'm, I want to point out in the story because we glaze over this stuff when we read these stories. You know, oh, I'm reading the book of Genesis right now. Oh, that's fantastic. But are you really grabbing into what's going on there. I, I'm trying to take us through this series where, you know, I'm not doing a, I'm not doing an I Am Moses series right now. I'm not doing an I Am Ab- I'm, I'm We're going chapter by chapter right now, verse by verse, looking at what's going on here, breaking it down. We're just kind of walking through this together. So, so he goes down to Egypt, and what happens when he's there? Does he trust God? No. This is not my wife. This is my sister. You're going to say you're my sister because I don't want to get killed while we're in Egypt. Although God told me he's going to take care of us, promised us this land, gave me a promise, said we're going to be a great nation. Now, you haven't given me any kids yet, and we're close to 80. But while we're here, you can't say that you're my wife because I don't think God's going to take care of me if they find out you're my wife. They're going to kill me. So he, so he lies about who his wife is. Pharaoh finds out eventually because Things are negatively happening there because God's making negative things happen. So he's like, okay, hey, you lied to me. That's not your wife. That's your sister. So he's kicked out of Egypt. They don't keep his stuff. I mean, imagine this normal story would be you would have gotten beaten, robbed. You would have left with nothing. He left with everything he had acquired. So he goes back to the land of Canaan. Now we're going to talk about, remember, I'm, I'm just trying to play catch up here because we lost the momentum. So now, um, and you remember I was up here on the board drawing all that cool stuff and, trying to help make a lot of sense. So then uh, we, we go back into the land of Canaan. Now Lot is with him, remember. Lot is with him. Now in the story, we always looked at Lot like, you know, like lower level. Lot was just somebody from the story. But Lot owned a lot of livestock. Lot, I look at Lot like he was a business partner with him. Lot was the one who left the land, came down with him. How much power and money and wealth and and flocks and herds did Lot have? Enough that there was not enough room in the land for them both. So remember, we talked about Lot having the lustful eye. Lot looked around. He was like, 
oh, I'm going to go over there where the, it looks like the Garden of Eden. That's where I'm heading. The land flowing in milk and honey, the water in paradise is over here. You can keep the milk and honey. I'm going to the paradise, okay? So Lot leaves, and we all know where Lot's going to go in the story. We're going to end up there soon. So we talked about healthy conflict, healthy leadership, not, not being divisive. Remember, there was a divisive move here. Abraham didn't look at like, hey, let's figure this out. Hey, let's, let's, make, let's work this out. He didn't do that. He's like, just take your stuff and go somewhere else. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to separate. Because that decision created problems for Lot down the road. You know, and Lot, obviously, with the lustful eyes, like, yeah, I'm out of here, dude. I'm, I'm going. So, uh, let's see. So, now I'm caught up. And I'm trying to be done by 11. So today, we're going to finish with Abram's calling. Next week, we're going to be talking about the covenant with Abraham. We're going to go different direction in the story. So, uh, as we saw in Abraham's journey so far, I got some notes here. Things didn't go as planned, right? Things don't go as planned. That's what, that's what Dale was up here saying. That was perfect that she got up here and said that. It was like, I'm smiling over here like, this is good stuff. That's exactly what I'm going to talk about today. You know, so... Things didn't go as planned. So uh, I'm going to read Genesis 14, 1 through 24, chapter, chapter 14. It's in your hand out there. There's a lot of big words that I do not know. So we're going to do our best to make them sound okay. All right, are you ready? We're going to walk through this together. And it came to pass in the days of Amrepel, king of Shinar, Arioch, king of Elisar, Kedolamar, king of Elam, and Tidal, king of nations, that they made war with Bera, king of Sodom, Bersha, king of Gomorrah, Shinab, king of Adma, Shimabar, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor. All these joined together in the valley of Siddim, that is the Salt Sea. Twelve years they served Kedolamar, and in the thirteenth year they rebelled. In the fourteenth year, Kedolamar and the kings that were with him came and attacked the Rephim in Ashtoreth Karnim. The Zuman in Ham, the Emmon in Shavah Kiriatham, and the Horites in the mountains of Sire, as far as El Paran, which is by the wilderness. Okay, hold on, I gotta catch my breath and turn my tongue around. Let's keep going. <laughs> then they turned back to En Mesfit, that is Kadesh, and attacked all of the country of the Melkites, and also the Amorites who dwelt in Hazazon Tamar. And the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Adma, the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, that is Zor, went out and joined together in battle in the valley of Siddim against Kedolamar, king of Elam, Tidal, king of nations, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Arioch, king of Elisar, four kings against five. Now the valley of Siddim, which was the salt sea we read earlier, was full of asphalt pits. And the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fled. Some fell there, and the remainder fled to the mountains. Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom, and his goods and departed. Then one who had escaped came and told Abram the Hebrew. See, Abram's out in the story here. He's, he, this, he doesn't even know what's going on out there. I mean, yeah, he's probably aware of what's going on. There's a 12-year ruler going on. So this is 12 years. So I'm imagining that we're using the, the 12 years here as a timeline, that this is in Scripture for a reason. So I'm 
projecting opinion, not fact, but opinionated that, remember Abram departed at 75, so this is about 12, 13, 14, 15 years later. He's getting close to about 90 years old, I would imagine, at this time. That's why they're giving you these years, these numbers. So, yeah, he knows what's going on. Uh, It says, so they came and they told Abram the Hebrew, for he dwelt by the terebinth tree of Mamre the Amorite, brother of of Eskel, and brother of Aner, and they were allies with Abram. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, now, I don't know in the story where his brother himself comes into the story, because we're always talking about his brother's nephew, Lot, but that was the translation, that's the way they have it written. So it says, now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, here's what Abram did. He armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Now, they're giving you the word Dan here as a city nation because at that time, when this was written, the tribe of Dan had an area and land in the land of Canaan. So that's why they're telling you he went as far as Dan. He divided his forces against them by night, and he and his servants attacked them and pursued them as far as Hobah, which is north of Damascus. So he brought back all the goods and also brought back his brother Lot and his goods, as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Sheba, that is the king's valley, after his return from the defeat of Kedolomar and the kings who were with him. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. This is the first time you're ever going to hear the name Melchizedek in the Bible, but we're going to, we'll get to him you know, in about four years. Um, then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And he gave him a tithe of all. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord, God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap, that I will not take anything that is yours, lest you should say, I have made Abram rich, except only what the young men have eaten, and the portion of the men who went with me, Aner, Eskel, and Mamre, let them take their portion. That was a lot to chew on in chapter 14. A lot of places, a lot of things that are going on. This is one of those things where you're reading in scripture, you're like, okay, next chapter, right? You're like, what did I get out of that? Well, looking at Abram's calling, looking at Abram's story, we're talking about that journey that he's made, where he went down to Egypt, he's come back. There's more, there's, there's deeper part of this story in our calling. We're going to talk about conflict on all sides. There's conflict on all sides in this. So, number one in your bullet point, I wrote, I wrote here in my own notes, I put there's trouble and conflict outside the organization. Because for him, the organization was, there he is, he's in the land of Canaan again. He's building up his livestock. He's got 318 trained servants who are ready to go to war. Those are just trained servants. But how many people are living in his household? Women, children, people, livestock, herdsmen. So there's a lot going on. He's got his own thing going on here. But it says, I put number one, our journey may have trouble on all sides because for him, he didn't have to go and get involved in this. But there was conflict going on around him. There could be conflict going on outside of this church for those that we love and those that we care about, be sickness, disease, pain, suffering, financial burden, whatever it is. This is where Abram steps up, and on his faith, he grabs his 318 trained church, and he goes out, and he helps his brother in need. This is what we're doing. 
Because there's, sometimes there's going to be trouble outside of our organization. Sometimes there's going to be trouble going on that we would immediately say like, oh, I don't want to get involved with that. That's not our problem. In, 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 uh, my wife's Mexican, so in, our, in the Spanish tradition, that's their pedo. <laughs> that's their problem. But, th- th- you know, this is, this, is, this is the way that people look. We're like, oh, that's a problem outside of the church. We're not going to get involved with that. No, we need to be like Abram here. We're going to pick up our 318 trained servants, and we're going to go fight for our brother who's hurting, sick, financially burdened, uh, you know, lost their, whatever, whatever it is. We're going to go out. That, that's what's going on in this story here. So there's always going to be trouble, conflict, division going on around us. There was a lot of trouble, conflict, and division going on around There's a lot of different religious activity going on around us outside of just Christianity, right here in our own city, everything. There's a lot of different belief systems going on. They're building a massive building right there, right across the street from us. There's going to be trouble and conflict outside of the organization. There's going to be things that are happening around us that we're not going to like. There's going to be things happening around us that we're going to have to pray about. There's going to be things happening around us that we're going to have to trust God to carry us through, that God's going to take care of this flock right here. So, two, sometimes our flock and family and friends may be affected. Genesis 14, 12, they also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. We're not looking to lose anybody here to the new building across the street. We're not looking to lose people who are going to walk away from their salvation. We're not looking to lose people who are going to, Oh, they didn't have enough children's activity. I'm going to go ahead and go to that super church because when I go there, I can sign my kids in it early and they have a little checking counter and then I don't even have to worry about my kids and they feed them cookies and they give them a a treat, but it doesn't have any sugar so they don't get too hyper when we get them back in the car. And then afterwards, they have a daycare system. My wife and I are able to go to lunch with the worship team and then when we're done, we come back and then they have the kids outside in a choo-choo train and we pick them up. You know, we're not trying to lose anybody to what looks... To what the eye finds deceiving like the Garden of Eden paradise outside of the land of Canaan. This is our land of Canaan. This is where God's going to do with us what he wants to do. So, that's good stuff. We're going to get choo-choo ministry. We'll bring them here though. We'll take them. We'll take them in. Sometimes in our walk and in our calling, when there's conflict going on all around us, and there's conflict happening to those outside of outside of here, that are important to us, standing up will be required. That's what Abram did. He stood up. He didn't sit down. He didn't sit back. He didn't say, that's your problem. We already had, a, we already had problems in the past, you and I. You, me, and your, herds, your herdsmen and my herdsmen, they didn't get along. We already sent you away. I already got rid of you guys once. That's real life. Conflicts in your family, you know, 17 years ago, our sister and her husband came to live with us, and they were here for two years. They wouldn't leave, and we finally got rid of them. Well, guess what? When they're in trouble, you're going to go after them, and you're going to stand up, and you're going to fight for them because that's what we're going to do. Amen? That's what Abram did in this story. The lesson learned there is that it doesn't matter if there's been a problem in the, fa- in the past. We've got to have healthy leadership, healthy commitment. We're going to go after those we love, and we're going to take care of them no matter what because we're all people. We all make mistakes. We all look with our eyes. We all say things we don't mean to say. We do things we don't mean to do. Paul talks about that. Romans 7, good stuff. 
We'll get to that in five years. Look, standing up will be required. Genesis 14, 14 through 16. Now, when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, again, the brother and they've got these words messed up. Now, when the brother heard, now when Abram heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his 318 trading servants who were born in his house, and he went in pursuit immediately. It's like, let's go. We're going to save my brother's nephew. Who right now in your life is out there struggling that needs saving? It's time to stand up and go get that person. And when you get them, invite them to come here. Because this is where hope is. Because in here you can find freedom from fear of death. You can find freedom from self. Remember, when you have Jesus, you sin less. You don't become sinless, but you sin less. All of a sudden you begin to care about people. You begin to love your brother and your neighbor. That's what Jesus talked about, right? What's the greatest commandment of all? Love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. You do this, you sum up the whole law. And guess what? When you follow and you love Jesus, that just naturally happens. That's what you are walking love. That's what you are. You just become this walking person who all of a sudden you care about everybody and everything. You can't help it. You even have to question yourself sometimes. Like, why do I want to help that person? Why do I like that person all of a sudden? Because you have Jesus living in you. You're following Jesus. You, you gotta, we, gotta, we gotta do, but we gotta follow the examples of what all these people in the Bible, that's why they're there. So there's gonna be conflict. The calling's gonna look strange. You're gonna get to Canaan and realize there's a famine, you may have to go to Egypt. Well, let's not lie. You're gonna come back to Canaan, you might have conflict with your brother here in the church. Don't ask them to leave. Don't pressure them to leave. Keep them here. And pe- there's going to be people out there suffering, and we're going to have to stand up, and we're going to have to get this church together, and we're going to go get them and bring them back. For those of you who are at home, we're coming to get you this week. Somebody needs to call you. Somebody's going to call you and invite you to come back to church. Whoever you, For those of you who are here, take a look around this room. I want you to think of one person that you know is sitting at home, either watching online or they're not. It's time to stand up. And call them and invite them back to church this Sunday and not take no for an answer. You come and you get them and bring them back. This is where we need to be. So, the last thing that I saw in this story that I thought was really important was we accept blessings so we can bless. Genesis 14, 18 through 24. Then Mechilzedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he gave him a tithe of all. It's really weird when you look at this story, because when you read this text, I became, I became very conflicted with this text. I'm just telling you guys. I read it like 14 different ways, three different translations, and I almost became very confused because we've spent our whole life saying, that Abram tithed to Melchizedek. The way the text reads it, it sounds like it's the other way around. So I'm not going to twist anything around. I'm not going to say any differently. Somebody tithed to somebody here in this story. We're going to stick with Abram tithed, a tithe of everything that he had to Melchizedek. Because then, here's where I go with that. Because the story moves further to say, if you look at the text, it says, uh, Abram said, uh, uh, after that, uh, he gave him a friend. He blessed him, said, "Bless be. 
and he gave him a tithe of all. Now the king said, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. So you see, he had given him something. Now there was another exchange. Okay, so the secondary exchange is going on. And that's when Abram says, no. I don't, I don't need anything more than to, to, to be blessed for what the young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me. That's what it says right here. So this text can be very confusing, which confused me. But I was like, I read it. I'm telling you guys, I, I read it over and over and over. And I kept, I kept going, wow. I go, they really, the way the context is, I actually had to uh, go into a, uh, a, a concordance and started looking uh, to try to find it deeper, like the way the scripture was written. I'm like, huh, I'm like, who gave who the tithe? And I said, well, I'm going to stick with Abram gave the tithe. So you got to accept blessings so that you can bless. And then it says, uh, you know, now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. So you see it was Abram who gave because now he was saying, no, you now let me take this. You take this, you know. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. See, he had given, so that's where I concluded in my story through my concordance that it was Abram who gave. Because once he gave, the king turned around and says, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. So when you're saying, no, you don't, I don't want that, you just take this. But that's when Abram said, no, you're not going to say I got rich off of you. That's why he gave it. Okay, so that was kind of my conclusion to the Confusion. Conclusion to the confusion. Um, so here we go. So I took a look at all this. Ooh, 11 o'clock on the dot. Many of us have endured some of the same changes. Divisions, conflict, temptation, all these things that we've talked about over the last few weeks in the story of Abram. Okay? Like Dale said, following Jesus is not going to be easy. Like Jesus said, following me is not going to be easy. Today you're being called not to go to the land of Canaan. This is your land of Canaan. Today you're being called to come back. Today you're being called to follow Jesus. Okay? So when I say today you're being called to follow Jesus, well, what does that mean? Well, let's look at what Jesus said to count the cost of following Jesus. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else, your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost because there's going to be pain, suffering, trial, Egypt, Famine, war, there's going to be all kinds of things that are going to happen in your life. And he is telling you here to count the cost because he doesn't want you, when the t things get tough, to run and lose your salvation and you look foolish. He's going to say that right here in the story, that you'll look like a fool, pretty much. It says, but do not begin until you count the cost. For would you begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. Okay? Jesus does not want you to look like a fool. He would make him look foolish if that's what we did. You know, we, who are we here to represent? Oh, I'm in love with Jesus. I got saved last week. 
but that was tough, so I'm going out drinking. I don't think I'm going to go to church anymore. It's like, was Jesus real or is Jesus, you, you're putting a bad representation for Jesus there. You know, it's like, it's not good. So I ask you, I'm going to close with this. So I'm asking you today, are you ready to answer the call on your life? We're closing this calling series. Are you ready to answer the call? If you, do, if you don't follow him already, are you ready to make that commitment today? What does that look like, Chris? Come see me afterwards. I'm going to be here for three minutes, and I got family at the house, so I'm actually going to jam out of here really quick. As soon as we close, I'm going to hit this power button, and I'm going right out that door. No. Yes, but quickly. If, that, if, if you want to know what that making that commitment means, I will take the time and spend a few minutes with you. Come and see me after. Okay? How about this? If you're new to this church, are you ready to answer the call and partner with us? Are you ready to make a commitment and stick it out? This is it. This is your land of Canaan. So that does conclude our calling series for Abraham. Next week, we're going to start with the covenant. Chris, what's the covenant? Come back next week. I'll tell you all about it. Keep it a surprise. So let's close. Father, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that I do my best, Lord, to stay in your word, Lord, that we teach from your word, Lord, that we teach what you want us to learn from your word, Lord. Your word is living and powerful, Lord. Your word, your word is in our lives, Lord. We want to we live in this word. We want to teach the good news at this church. We want to teach this scripture, Lord. We want to we stay on focus. We want to stay on point. We want to worship you. We want to love you. We want to honor you. We want to follow you. We want to follow you, Lord. We want following hearts, Lord. Come into each one of us, Lord. Convict us, Lord. Condemn us, Lord. Judge us, Lord. Do whatever you have to do in our heart and our conscience, Lord. Let your spirit work within us, Lord, so that we begin to follow you more. We begin to follow you in every area of our life, not just the ones we want to let you, not just the ones we want to follow you in. We follow you in every area of, your, of, of our lives, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for everyone that's here. I thank you for those that are at home online. I thank you for the worship team. I thank you for those who do things behind the scenes. You know who they are. I thank you for in advance for everything. I thank you for the last two weeks for Pastor Mark, Lord. He'd have that, he'd have that message prepared. He put that on his heart, Lord. He prepared that message. It was going to be his closing messages for this church. And, Lord, you ordained it and set it up. You let me get COVID. Mark came in, preached it. Lord, I believe it. I trust it. I know it. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for Mark. I thank you for his leadership. I thank you for what you're going to continue to do here, Lord. I thank you. I pray a blessing on everybody's week, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.